0: Hello and welcome to CryptoCast, episode 4 of Tales from the Past, brought to you by the Australian Yahweh Project. I'm Ray Doherty, thanks for joining me as we travel back through time and read the strange and mysterious stories of yesteryear's newspapers, digitised by the National Library of Australia and trove.nla.gov.au. If you like what we do, please like this video and please consider subscribing to my channel it will help us grow, and the more you can spread the word, the more cryptocasts I can bring you for your listening enjoyment now and into the future. We have a few cracking stories for you in this episode, so sit back, relax, as we travel back in time. <coughs> this first story is titled An Australian Hairy Man of the Woods. It was published on Saturday, March 30, 1878, on page four of a publication called The Freeman's Journal. Now, The Freeman's Journal is still around today. It's called The Catholic Weekly. Now, that's right. But it was originally published from 1850 to 1932 and originated in Ireland. But as I said, it is still around today, and this article was written anonymously So it says, the story reads, An Australian hairy man of the woods, a correspondent in the Western District. About 30 years ago, a shepherd in W. Sutter's employ averred that he had seen a hairy man in the scrub north of Cunningham's Creek. But the story was treated as childish. However, he persisted until the day he died that it walked upright and was covered in hair, and the dogs that hunted everything else ran back from this frightened with their tails between their legs. A few years ago, young Tim Ring, a shepherd in Mr Price's employ, while his pot was boiling for dinner, saw something unusual walking through the scrub about five miles from where the first shepherd reported. But Tim could give no description as he ran home for his life to be laughed at as a dreamer. Later still, in the last mentioned locality, Pat Ring, a younger brother, heard his kangaroo dogs bark from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. downing down at some inaccessible cliffs. He determined he was determined to go and help them kill whatever he was supposed to, whatever they were supposed to have caught up. Sorry, it's a bit hard to read, but it must have been an old man wallaroo, as he thought, as the two dogs could kill any other kind of marsupial. Pat, to Pat's surprise which you could easily imagine it was when his eyes looked down the cliff and saw a hairy monster standing upright. A body was apparently as round as a horse, arms as round as a man's thigh, with three claws on each hand and two large claws on each foot. It stood, though, of his best belief, about four foot high. The head resembled that of a pig, but turned upwards and it threw each into the air the only dog that ventured within reach. Pat could not see it, the milk-white hair under his armpits. When Pat was tired of looking on, he feared the dog would be killed as it fell on the rocks about 60 yards away each time it was thrown up. He threw a 14-pound weight of stone, which struck the mark without doing any damage. The animal was at the foot of the rocks on which Pat stood and in two springs or strides, it sprang up It sprang up or strode in an upright position and then commenced to climb monkey fashion. Pat saw no more, as he thought it was time to run for his life, never looking back. His heart beat so audibly that he fancied it was the quick stamping of the strange thing behind him. Though the dog died shortly after, but not a hair of the strange creature could be found, though the dog's hair and blood was plentiful on the rocks. Now, we hear that some splitters on the flatlands of North Cherry Hill have become terrified by hearing unearthly screams or sounds at night. There are three caves in the vicinity. Into one of those, the dogs never followed the rock wallabies. Now, as best as I can investigate, Cunningham's Creek in New South Wales is located next to the New South Wales town of Murrumburra. The story says that this event took place north of the creek, which would put it somewhere around between Murrumburra and Nubba in New South Wales. Today, Burley Griffin Way intersects those locations between Harden and Wallenbeam. The photo you've been seeing is in the township of Murrumburra, the closest place to this event during the gold rush days of the 1850s and the 1860s. Now, this event was alleged to have occurred in 1848, because if you remember, it wasn't reported until 1878, and it starts off by saying some 30 years ago. So it was around 1848 that these events actually took place. So it's all in the same ballpark, in terms of a lot of activity at the time. I've been unable to find this uh, Cherry Tree Hill, but... A splitter, I would imagine, uh, was probably another name. I, I, I mean, unless someone knows better who can tell me, I guess it was another name for, you know, maybe people knocking down trees and splitting wood, perhaps, or splitting big logs. I don't know. Maybe you do. Now, this one, next story, is really, really quite fascinating. It's from the Molong Express and West, Western District Advertiser. Saturday, August. 1905. Page 10. And I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. It's called the Eucharina Sensation. E-U-C-H-A-R-E-E-N-A. Eucharina. Eucharina is a town in the Arana region of New South Wales. The town is in the Dubbo Regional Council area, 303 kilometers northwest of Sydney. And in the 2006 census, Ukarina and the surrounding area had a population of 314. Apparently, there's a fairly nice school there. But let's get to this story. Also, another one that was uh, anonymous. The story's entitled, A Hairy Man, A Ukarina Sensation. A Ukarina correspondent writes, Considerable commotion was caused here last week through the circulation of a rumour to the effect that a hairy man had been seen close proximity to the town. Subsequent inquiries confirmed that two well-known and reputable district residents had seen the apparition, or whatever one likes to call it, while riding in the bush. Both of these gentlemen were riding some distance apart, but but each passed the fearsome-looking object in practically the same spot. The sight gave one of the horsemen such a start that he lit out for civilization and the safety in the quickest time on record. One says the object is like an immense gorilla, another feels sure it is the veritable hairy man. It is stated that the man-beast, or apparition, is no myth, for its tracks are plainly visible. Considerable speculation is rife as to what the object really is. However, a good rifle shot should be able to solve that question. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? A rifle shot to answer the question. Unfortunately, I know plenty of researchers or Yowie enthusiasts who believe that's the right answer today. However, my reply is that good luck still trying to find them because we're all still trying to find them on a regular basis. Although there have been over the years reports of hunters who have had them in their crosshairs but have never taken the shot. And that's a behavior I advocate as well. Some of you may feel differently, and that's okay. But in those days, if they didn't understand it, they killed it until they did. They killed it to gain an understanding. <sighs> now, our next story the next story was front page news in the Shoalhaven News on Wednesday, April 5th, 1939. Now, the story refers to the Macquarie Ranges, which I cannot find a reference for. I do not think it's Macquarie's past because of the other areas mentioned are all up in northern New South Wales. So it could be a syndicated story. Unfortunately, we've got a few clues that uh, that give us some the location. Now, the best... Now, the Macquarie Ranges, as best as I can determine, is around Mount Picapene National Park, with the Clarence River on one side and the mountain on the other side. And these events seem to be occurring at all places in between. The area today still provides a large number of sightings over now and over the years in areas near to this location. Now, if I'm wrong, please let me know. This is a long story. This is the 1939 equivalent of a Sunday editorial, except on a Wednesday. Now, there's a fair bit to this story, so you really need to concentrate, and I'm going to do my best to read it as well as I can, because it's got a few twists and turns and twists and turns. Now, you might think there's a little bit of useless info in, in here, but again, they wrote newspaper articles sometimes, you know decent ones editorials with a fair bit of background information so just bear with me and have a listen to our to this story our last story of the day but i think you'll find it very very interesting and i'll talk about that point at the end this is also written by a freelancer but you get the idea i think the freelancer is the author of the story it says debunked the hairy man or or escaped gorilla of the Macquarie Rangers. One afternoon, my father left the homestead to lay some poisoned baits for dingoes. The method of fixing these baits was, was as follows. Some mutton or beef was cut into pieces as large as an egg, care being taken that it was not touched by the hand. With a sharp knife, the meat was split open and a dose of strychnine inserted into the point of the blade of the knife and the cut was closed by pressure. It was put into a paper bag with a fork or some such instrument and placed in a saddlebag strapped to the saddle. Then it was carried to the sheep pad, taken out with the fork and deposited in conspicuous places. As he did not return by nightfall, we grew anxious. Supper, or as it's now called dinner, was a meal that was seldom eaten before the day was done. In winter, it was on between five or six o'clock, in summer, between seven or eight. We had all finished our supper and I waited anxiously for his return. About 8:30 he rode home and told us told us that as he was returning via Blowhole Blowhole Gully he heard a blood curdling scream that he could use to that to use his own expression sent a cold shiver down his back. Whenever it was followed him and soon his horse became restless. The noise followed him and his horse became restless. He fired his rifle into the dark area towards whence the sound came, and it ceased at once. The hairy man exclaimed some of the listeners of his story. But the story got around, and as he was a deeply, deeply religious man, and not given to exaggeration, the bushman of the district revived the tale of a gorilla at large. It grew as it, was, well, as it was repeated, and my father was kept busy explaining that he had not seen a gorilla, nor did it. one try to get on the horse's rump. I was scared stiff, and when riding I took care, never to let nightfall catch me away from home. In vain did my mother explain that all animals of the ape species were vegetable feeders and would soon starve in a district where their food could not be obtained. On the selection called The Circle three men were building a two-roomed hut, and each weekend I took their rations to them. It was after dusk as I rode up to the hut one Saturday, and I shall never forget the reception I got from those men. No sooner had I turned my horse out of the little paddock attached to the hut, I always stayed the night there, and walked inside, than one-eyed Charlie the stockman said, "'You blasted young fool!' It would serve you right if we'd put a charge of buckshot into you for your damn silly prank. Well, I was dumbfounded. But when they explained that they had heard awful screams in the vicinity of the hut, I thought I had been playing, that they thought I had been playing a practical joke. I soon realized and reassured them that I had no hand, no such hand in making the noises. And then we were all genuinely alarmed. We took good care to secure the door of the hut and tied my cattle dog up on the inside, for we were all satisfied that the hairy man was going to and fro, walking up and down in the vicinity. However, nothing happened. Next weekend, as I took the rations as usual, taking care to arrive before sundown, the men informed me that they had heard awesome screams in the gully below on the hut several occasions through the week. We were all seated by the big log fire after tea. while I told the news of the week. Suddenly, an unearthly scream came up from the gully. My heart skipped a beat. One-eyed Charlie grabbed his gun and stood in the doorway looking out in the night. Again and again, the screams were repeated. They were like the screams of a terrified woman. To our surprise, we heard them repeated in the air over the hut. And then we knew... Where they came from some night bird, and that we knew nothing of, that we knew nothing of, or, as Charlie said, may have a deformed throat. Years afterwards, I learnt that the screams are the natural cry of the powerful owl, generally known as a screech owl, which inhabits the dense forests of the coastal districts. No doubt it had had somehow been driven inland from its town and though the bushmen of the coast would at once have recognised its blood-curdling screeches, to us it was the most awesome and weird noise we had ever heard. Incidentally, some years later, Mr Ashton Clark, an amateur naturalist on the Hunter River District, told me that he had seen one of these powerful owls attempt to carry off a leghorn rooster that had been roosting in the acacia tree near his home. So once more the gorilla story was debunked, but it would it wouldn't stay put, and next time it came into provenance, so sure was every bushman in the district that it was real flesh and blood ape, that to deny was to invite a vehement argument. I was riding the run after some strayed sheep with my old dad, who was a keen bushman some miles from the homestead. After passing through the gate I turned into the bush while he rode along the old, disused road. The dust had been laid by had been laid by a shower of rain some days previously, and there were no trails of stock along it. Hearing him cooey, I looked back and saw him standing by his horse in the middle of the road, beckoning me to come to him. I raced up, thinking that keeping my eye on, I think I raced up thinking he was keeping an eye out for snakes for me. To my astonishment. He pointed to the tracks of an animal that had crossed the road. They were exactly the shape of a man's hand. We looked at each other inquiringly. Without doubt, we knew we were looking at the track of some animal with hands, like a gorilla. My father made an imprint with his hand alongside it, and it was intact in every way except that the track left by the gorilla was much larger. We rode along for a quarter of a mile and we were no longer in doubt when we saw where it had recrossed the road. There was not another mark on the road and the track stood out for all to see. When the story was told, it grew like a snowball and it reached a climax when an old English schoolmaster riding from Louisa Creek to Triamble Station saw in the waning twilight what he said looked like an old bent man shambling off into the bush, not far from the place where we had seen the tracks. Though he, though he was given to looking on the wine when it was red and the beer when it was long, that did not detract from the truth of his story. Incidentally, some short time afterwards, he was thrown from his horse at the same place and Jack Campbell, who after his father's death became owner of Willarong station, found him lying sunder under sorry, found him lying under a tree covered in ants. He had taken his notebook and pencil from his pocket, but was unable to write a last message. The poor old chap never regained consciousness, and it was now never known how he came to be thrown from his horse. I suggested to Campbell that his that the horse he had seen "'that his horse had seen the gorilla and bolted, "'and it was then he told me that there was no gorilla, "'that the man had ridden his horse near the edge of the road "'and he had walked on his hands and his feet in the air "'across the dust. "'He had then walked parallel with the road "'for about a quarter of a mile "'and recrossed it walking on his hands. "'The laugh was on the bushmen of the district, "'and I well remember the lecture my old dad dealt out to Jack "'for his practical joke.' Some time ago, my brother sent me a clipping from the newspaper telling me that poor old Jack Campbell had been killed by a fall from his horse, not far from where he had found the old schoolmaster. No one was ever heard, had was ever heard of the escaped gorilla or the hairy man again. He was well and faithfully debunked past all hope of resurrection. Now, that's interesting because it gives several examples of hairy man activity of what people believed to be hairy man. And yet, each three times it was debunked. But I don't know about the walking on the hands bit for a quarter of a mile, leaving handprints everywhere. Maybe, I guess, a handprint may look like an ape's foot in the mud. But I think that would take a pretty talented acrobat to be able to do that. I do, not think, I do not think that it was debunked well enough because I don't think that walking on the hands story holds up. But interestingly, where the schoolteacher died, thrown from his horse, now he could have been startled by a snake, sure, and hit his head and never regained consciousness. But then the little property owner who dismissed the story died in much the same fashion sometime later. In the same place maybe it was the hairy man that spooked the horses who knows that's why it's a mystery thanks for joining me on cryptocast tales from the past again today we'll have some more episodes for you shortly coming up <music>